Let's see. Next topic up for bit, we're going to talk a little bit about the console wars. I don't have a lot of graphic. I didn't have any graphics for this one right off the gate because this is. I guess it's going to be more of a rant, pretty much. I dig them all. Does that count? Hey, cool. Hey, you like them all? I just. I just like the concept of judgment in the first place, Will. <laughs> for sure, man. But the console wars. Let's see if we can find some kind of graphics to introduce this. Cause, uh, yeah. So wars. So just for concept's sake, console wars is pretty much, and there there have been a lot of documentaries and stuff talk about this, a lot of YouTube videos about it. But you know, I'll, I'll add this is me adding my opinion into it. This is me adding my personal take on it. Hell, everyone else is. Why not? So hell, there's a whole channel called Console Wars. I guess check them out. I guess. All right, so let, let's you know what screw screw it. Let's let's define console war first. So in the video game industry, you know, and this is for the people at home, for the people who may not know what a console war is. But I imagine if you follow this channel, you probably do. So this is going to be more like a review. So console war describes a competition between two or more video game console manufacturers in trying to achieve better consumer sales through more advanced technology improved selection of video games and just general marketing around their consoles you know what let's go let's go to our friend youtube because i'm gonna show you how wild the consoles got the console wars got especially in the 90s i really don't think console wars really took off until the super nes versus sega genesis so let, let's look at this man and anyone who's been watching the stream for a while you're going to um you're going to get this reference. And hopefully y'all will get the um, the reference. So once again, fair use. We're going to look at an old Sega Genesis commercial. Genesis does what Nintendo. C can y'all hear this? Uh-oh. I don't like this. All right, so y'all can't hear. That's not good. At least the volume wasn't coming through on my end, so let me actually do this real quick. Speakers, no, 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 no. Could once again, could y'all hear that? <laughs> it's probably better. I don't have it going. Let's see. Desktop audio. All right, that don't work. Boo! Stop moving. <laughs> All right, so let's do. Oh man. Oh, I know what I got to do now. All right, we good, we good. Boom, let's put this over here. All right, let's take number three. All right. Yes, we got it. Once again, fair use. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jackson was there? Which I think that was more of an impersonation, but still. Eswat, what the hell? Some of these I ain't never heard of. Okay. <laughs> of course, it's a registered trademark. Oh, there's there's another there's another part to it. Watch it, boy! Don't get your clothes. Oh, okay, never mind. Oh shit! Stop! Stop! <laughs> Shout out to the Simpsons, man. I don't think they had really much to do with it. Okay, now you can hear it. Good, good, good. Thank you very much, Will. So shout shout to Sega, man. And let's let's look at an old uh, Super Nintendo commercial. Let's see. Because I, cause I think uh, freaking Nintendo did actually 
Yeah, the console war of the century. Yeah, that that was a slugfest right there. Taking all kind of shots. Mm. Yeah, honestly, Sega was a lot more petty than Nintendo, man. Oh, my God. Not the blast processing. Okay. The bully. Com- Damn. All these are Sega commercials. Holy shit. <laughs> Alright, so anyway, so that kind of segues into the first big console war. Super Nintendo versus Sega Genesis. Sega Genesis came out in 1989 or so, and the way they positioned it, they were they were it was more of a competition for the original NES. At least here in at least here in the States. So you gotta remember the original NES was 8-bit, and Sega had a system back then called the Master System, which was 8-bit, but didn't really take off that much. Here in the states, at least now, that now Sega won the console war in other places. Even back then, they won the they won it in uh, like South America and I think even Europe. Uh, the Genesis and like the or the Mega Drive, as they call it, and Master System were a little more popular. But that that's a that might be a conversation for another podcast. Because one thing I was thinking about was talking about how Sega kind of won the console wars in those countries, but. Again, that's that's something else for another time. I really just want to go through the history of the console wars themselves, go through like each generation and what everybody brought to the table. So let's see. Super NES and Sega Genesis TV commercials. Okay, that those are just commercials in general. Okay, let's look at this. Let's look at this versus one. So let, let's compare the two. Okay, Retro Games TV, shout out to them. Gotta go. Hey, guy, you're the first serious gamer I've seen all morning. Check this out. Brand new 16-bit Super Nintendo okay. with Super Mario World. Wow! Oh, what's this one? Oh, this is a Sonic the Hedgehog from Sega Genesis. Hey, look at these radical colors, huh? <laughs> wow, Sonic's fast, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, I don't know if y'all remember, but that was like the big selling point back in um, back in 1991. Sonic was new. He was fast. He was hip. He was cool. And Mario was just... Mario just, you know, he plays with turtle shells and stuff like that. And to be to be fair, Mario World did look a little bit slower than uh, Sonic as well. So that, that was definitely a, a thing. And uh, yeah. And I'm going to keep it a buck. The music was cooler in Sonic. So there were definitely things to like about both consoles. But, and this, this is something I'll bring up later. But there was a significant difference between titles that have the same name. Two. Let's let's look at the rest of this. I like Genesis. So this is definitely a second commercial. Yeah, definitely a second commercial. And oh, that's something else I want to mention too. The Genesis was actually cheaper as well. But uh, yeah, actually, let's look at some comparisons between Super NES and Sega Genesis versions of games. Because that that's something I definitely want to touch on. Because I, I didn't want to spend too much time going over the wars themselves. I kind of want to talk about if they're important. Yeah, what a great commercial. All right. So there's actually a couple of different channels on this talking about the different... Okay, here's one right here. Uh, Sega Super Nintendo versus Mega Drive comparison, weather and lighting. I kind of want to find a specific game to talk about. You know what? Hmm... I was going to do Aladdin, but, you know, Disney does not play about their content. So, I'll do this one. A game called uh, Sparkster. We'll, we'll do that. Because it's the same title. And, uh, yeah. It's the same title, but different games. 
and you'll be able to see like the differences between graphics and sound and all that stuff. Okay, here we go. So this this does it right here. Ten minute video, but we're not gonna we're not gonna go through all that. We'll just we'll again fair use. YouTube is helping us a lot with this particular episode, man. So shout out to YouTube. Let's see what we got here. Okay, so got the trademark Konami thing. Cool, cool. I don't know, something about the Genesis, it sounds more like it's underwater. Okay, so Genesis gets you right into the title screen. Super Nintendo has a um, has a little bit of a cutscene there to start out. Gives us some kind of evil king there. Oh, oh, there's our cutscene. Nice. Oh, Sam, this one looks a lot cooler. So we start off in the robot here. Okay. Our little Rocket Knight here is getting. So Sparks is a sequel to Rocket Knight Adventures. So, just so y'all know. Alright, getting the sword. Okay. So, off gate, we see. Let's see. So the Sega version is still in this cutscene. We're already playing the game with um, with Super Nintendo. So they start with a platforming stage. Genesis starts out with a uh, okay, a little bit of a robot battle, a little bit of a kaiju battle. That's kind of cool. So to be fair, both of these games look good for what they are. And personally, I like the Super NES version. Personally, as far as the music goes, I think the better game is on Sega Genesis though. Personally. Because I'll have the theme from this first stage here, like just going in the background for Super NES. Although I can see why people might prefer the Sega Genesis version as well. Okay, got a little bit of a dark void there. How did I miss that when I played Sparkster? Alright, let's look at some other parts of it. So, let's go a little bit deeper in the game here. Okay, so we're on a boss battle with the Genesis. And we're running away from things in Super Nintendo. Fair Oh god, sorry about that. Okay. I'm trying to think, what's another game that had the same title on both systems? And there's usually a lot of the licensed games now that I think about it. A lot of like, like the Lion Kings, the Aladdins, and stuff like that. Again, if y'all have any ideas, let me know in the comments. But you can see the colors are a little more vibrant on Super NES, where they're a little more... Like, they're, they're, le they're far less colors on the Sega Genesis, too. But, they, but Sega Genesis, one of their big claims of fame was they kept talking about something called blast processing, which was supposed to make things faster. Which, I don't know. Yeah, the Genesis always sounded chunky to me. But heavy metal Yes. That's a good point, Nimbus. Yeah. Like, certain kinds of music worked really well on the Genesis. Not so much on Super Nintendo. Some of the more like lighter sounds, some of the more like uh, mellow kind of music worked really well on Super Nintendo. But yeah, like some of the more harder hitting music, like the, the pop and like the hip hop, uh, heavy metal, that kind of stuff did really well on the Genesis. As evidenced by the aforementioned Sonic the Hedgehog. Alright, so talk so at this point the console the console wars it, it made sense because, like I said, you you clearly had two different games on the platform. So, back when people used to say the Sega Genesis version versus the Super NES version, like, you could rent both of those games from Blockbuster and have two different experiences. 
Yep, SNES had better use of their color palette because SNES had more colors. Literally, that's like the I, I forget the exact count, but you know what? Let's look it up right quick. Uh, SNES code. No, stop that. Let's look it up right quick. SNES color count versus Genesis color. Yep, the yeah Michael Jackson helped out with some of the music. Hell, Michael Jackson. That was a big selling point too, like the celebrity power. So Michael Jackson had a game on the Genesis. You know, Deion Sanders endorsed the football game. Joe Montana, Sports Mark, Sports Talk Football. Uh, but Nintendo had Nintendo had some of that too, but they didn't get to the N64. Kobe Bryant did like NBA courtside. No, I just thought about Ken Griffey Jr. did the uh, baseball game on Super NES. So yeah, that that console war was. Uh. All right, sorry about y'all's ears. Alright. Yeah, it was, it's demonstrable that the Super NES could display two to three. Oh, I ain't reading all that. So, yeah, according to Google, it could display two to three the times the color on stream, while the Genesis could display two to three times the sprites. I'm guessing that's where that blast processing comes in. But, um, anyway, let's see. So, we talked about the Super NES and the uh, Sega Genesis for a bit. Like I said, different different sounds basically two different experiences it obviously it would help if you had both pretty much um, all right so here's what we're going to do we're going so the next console after that i don't know the generation numbers but i just know it included sega saturn playstation and n64 so we need to look at that yeah the snes had final fantasy 6 also knows final fantasy 3 so yeah the Super NES was where you went to have was where you went to have a, your RPGs, your platformers, your fighting games. There were a lot of those there. Genesis was more for like uh, sports games. If you if you like sports games in the nineties, EA Sports loved Sega for some reason. Like they had golf games, they had all kind of stuff on there. College football games, which there are a few of them. I think one of them came out for the SNES, but they were mostly on the Genesis. But now we take a trip to the next generation. N64 versus PlayStation versus Sega Saturn. So, let's talk about that. So, this is where Nintendo, in my opinion, started effing up. So, to be fair, Nintendo was never hell-bent on having the most powerful system. It just so happened, they, they just wanted to make good games for the systems that they had. So... It just so happened that the NES and the SNES were the most powerful consoles at that time. It just is what it was. But this is where Nintendo started making some missteps around 96, the mid-90s and so forth. So first thing was Nintendo 64 said, you know what? We're not doing we're not doing CDs. I know Sega Saturn, I know Sony PlayStation doing CDs, but we're not uh we're not gonna do that. We're still gonna have cartridges in 1996. Yet the PS1 was a monster. And what, what was crazy about that Nimbus? Oh my god. The possibilities, bro. Let me see. Let me see if I can find a picture of it right quick. Nintendo PlayStation. So, the Sony PlayStation actually started out as a competitor to the Sega CD. Which was an add-on for the Sega Genesis. Then... Nintendo was partnering with Sony to do something similar for the SNES. And you can see the uh, prototype route here. Let's see if I can give you a... Yep, there it is right there. The original, the original, original PlayStation. 
And apparently a prototype exists and it sells for 360K, even though I don't think it plays any games. But just imagine if Nintendo and Sony actually came together to... Bro, I don't even want to think about it. But Nintendo 64 came out and PlayStation is like, you know what, wait a minute. We're Sony. We got the resources. We got the we got the manpower. We got the technology. We'll just make our own stuff. And make their own stuff they did. Good grief did they make their own stuff, man. Play, PlayStation is responsible for some of the biggest hits of our time. Yep, and the PlayStation was a was a, a CD player. They played music CDs, and also too, it it did the uh, it did graphics on the screen too. Like kind of like a computer did back then. Yeah, way ahead of its time. I agree. And then you had like the Sega Saturn, which in some of the video in some of the research I've done for this, it was actually pointed out that Sega Saturn was more powerful than the Sony PlayStation. I'm really not sure why the Sega Saturn didn't take off. Was it a price thing? You know, let, let's see right quick. Because we know where the N64 messed up. They, they did cartridges and they didn't have as many games because they were so expensive to make. Sega Saturn versus Sony PlayStation 1. Boom. Because I've always wondered about that. Okay, so PS1, Shirts of Weaknesses versus N64 and the Sega Saturn. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. Alright, so that's all a bunch of stuff here. I'm trying to find something a little more a little more podcast friendly, if you will. Okay, so strengths of PlayStation versus Saturn. So solid 3D performance, cool. Ease of development. So that's what it was. I just I just remembered. Apparently, developers had a really hard time developing for uh, Sega and Nintendo 64 because they were a little more powerful, but the PlayStation was so easy to develop for. Which is why PlayStation 1, you were seeing games like pumping out left and right. You had some good ones. You had your Final Fantasies. You had your... What else? You had all the sports games that came out for it. What's the, you had your Crash Bandicoots that were really easy to make. Like triangle polygons, all that, all the stuff they're saying there, but the Sega Saturn, not so much. And, and, and it's not fair because the Sega Saturn was actually the best uh, system for fighting games. And I mention fighting games a lot because this started out as a fighting game channel. That's mostly what your captain plays. It is what it is. But Sega Saturn also has some sleeper hits too, like your Panzer Dragoons. Like Sega, Sega went pretty hard for the for the Sega Saturn. You had the, like the Sonic R, which the game itself wasn't that good, but the music. Can you feel the sunshine? Does it brighten up your day? That that was on the Saturn, bro. Like, come on, man. Like, to this day, that song still slaps. But even sixty four has some has some bangers too. Of course, Mario sixty four. You had you had Zelda. You had Wave Race. You had Diddy Kong Racing. You had all that stuff. And N sixty four. I talk about this all the time too. It produced the arcade perfect version. Of like Mortal Kombat Trilogy and NBA Hangtime. Like Mid- Midway did really, really well on the N64 with some of their games. But I'm getting off track here. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, it said the technical gulf between the Saturn and PlayStation wasn't especially last. Okay, so the Saturn was just more complex. Fair enough. Alright, so Triangle Polygons, once again, other stuff. Mmm... Okay, so ultimately what it came down to was a lot of third-party publishers were eager to help Sony create an impressive game, an impressive, an impressive PlayStation library because it made their jobs a lot easier. 
Yeah, Konami was in there. Was in their bag with the PS One. Really, I would say that PS One was Konami's last really good system. Was the PlayStation was Konami's last really good uh, run with the system. Their quality started to go down a little bit with PS One, and then it just it kind of plummeted by the time the PS Four come out. Alright, so, yep, better visual effects, cool, cool. Oh, superior texture capabilities. Mmm, and, it, okay. I don't know, as far as the textures, like, looking back at a PS1 game versus the N64 game, I kind of disagree. Or maybe I'm not thinking about the right terms, because I'll look at an N64 game, and it's a little more smoother. While the PlayStation looks like a bunch of pixels kind of stacked on top of each other, N64 graphics were had more like shapes. Anyway, on the texture front, but in different ways. Eh. Let's see. The PS1 performance advantage over the Saturn's quadratic surfaces. All right, more very simple stuff. More simple stuff. That's right. Symphony of the Night did have a um, it had a Saturn port, which I think only came out in Japan. Limited investment on resources of Konami's part made Symphony of the Night a rare 2D win. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, that's that's what it was. The Saturn did really good on 2D games. But place Yeah, the PS1. Yeah, Tekken 3. Yeah, like Tekken... I will give PlayStation credit for this. While the Saturn was a beast on 2D fighters, PlayStation really helped put 3D games on the map. Even though Saturn technically did have Virtual Fighter, Tekken was a better game. So that was another thing too. You had Saturn, you had Saturn had Virtual Fighter, but Tekken was a much better game. And Tekken exclusively came out on PlayStation for a good minute until Tekken Six, and then they put it on everything. But uh, yeah, so I think that's what that was. A balanced approach versus the N64's targeted power. Okay, so while the N64 had more advanced. Yeah, because the 64 was 64 bit. That was like the big thing. Technically, it was more powerful. And the PlayStation and Saturn were 32 bit. Yeah, so N64 had the muscle to technically do better things. Yep, PlayStation had a stronger lineup. Yep, some, some, some of people's goats were on PS1. Yeah, your Metal Gear Solids, we talked about that. Yeah, a lot of people's goats. Let's see. Yes, and that's another good point, too. And I've said this on stream before. The old 2D games, especially the ones that came out around then, I think 2D games were really at their peak here. And now with kind of like the indie indie games, that you're kind of starting to see that as well. But as far as like games that, like big budget 2D games. remember I don't know if y'all remember Tomfa that came out on the PlayStation. You had that. You had Symphony of the Night. Uh, what else on PlayStation that had 2D. Some some of y'all will talk about in the comments or the chat, man. Uh, some advanced 3D games with high frame rate. Yeah, Tekken 3 or Clona. Yeah, Namco really loved the PlayStation as well. Mm, layer section. Oh, the, the Street Fighter 3D games came out on PlayStation, running at 60. Air Geist, yep. Gotta remember that. Which Air Geist is kind of like a sleeper, kind of like a sleeper hit for a lot of people. Air Geist. <laughs> Easy and enhanced emulation. So even two decades later, the PlayStation is easier to emulate. Which I, f- I found this out back in my life when I was like heavy in emulation. Let's see. Oh, another 2D game I thought about. There was actually a Gradius game for the PlayStation 1 that came out only in Japan called Gradius Gaiden. Matter of fact, I got to show y'all this right quick. Because this, this is personally one of my favorite games of all time. 
Radius Guide In. Because it was kind of touted as kind of like the Symphony of the Night of the uh, Gradius series as far as like impact. Let's see. Gradius Guide In. Y'all got to appreciate this right quick for me. Let's see. We'll, mm, we'll talk. We'll go a little bit this. Fair use, once again. I'm going to have to say that a lot. Hopefully, y'all won't, y'all won't get me. Okay, so... Had the Konami of, you know, screen. Which was actually... This is actually Japan exclusive. If any of y'all played a Konami game on PlayStation that came out in America, it had, like, the rocks coming out of it. A little more, like, Urgh. Alright, so that I really just want to get to the gameplay. Nice little cutscene. Oh yeah, the Mega Man X games. Those those look amazing on PlayStation. Let's see. Level two. You did a playthrough earlier this year on Oh nice, good shit, Will. But yeah, look at this. Like a PS1 game still holds up. Like I will I will put this against even like Gradius 5 on the PS on the PS2. The music is there, like every, everything, bro. Like this, this is what the PlayStation was capable of. All right, so just wanted to show y'all that real quick. Let's get back into get back into this article. So yeah, enhanced emulation. Uh, yeah, the 64 is a little tough to emulate, which is to this day why Nintendo. I got I got a bone to pick with y'all, even to this day about the N64. Why bring that online with? All your good games are licensed games, number one. Number two, there weren't that many games total to begin with. Number two, the Game Boy is right there. Especially the Game Boy Advance, which had a bigger library, better games. <laughs> better ingredients, better pizza, all that stuff. Anyway, man. Uh, higher CPU requirements. So basically, you got to have a good computer to run N64, or you just got to have a Switch. Yeah, so the PlayStation emulator community also had a good head start on enhancing the emulation experience. So, and that brings another point, too. That's why they were able to do backwards compatibility with the PS2. I don't know if y'all remember, but the PS2 actually upscaled PS1 games just a little bit. Like, a little bit, but it was still noticeable enough to where you could you could tell, tell a difference. Alright, so... Okay, weaknesses. Okay, shape and texture distortion. That I think that's why I was alluding to early, where it looked like the pixels kind of stacked on top of each other instead of like shapes where the N64 shined. Uh, so yeah, 2D performance. So PlayStation gets a lot of dings for like 2D graphics, even though I don't know why, because we just saw an example right there. PlayStation could do 2D if they wanted to, but it was definitely um, pushed more for 3D. All right, so let's see. Can't can't fully keep up with the power of the N64, which, I mean, that ultimately didn't matter at the end of the day. Polygon shading limitations, trouble with depth processing. Okay. Some, some of, y- some of y'all uh, hardware nerds would know more about that stuff than I would. So that's the N64, Saturn, and PlayStation as far as console wars. But Sega, but... Sega got a little weird because the Saturn ultimately failed. So we got it. This is a quick little addendum. So, so much information. Have to have to read things over. <laughs> nice. But anyway, let me go ahead and move on to the Dreamcast. So the Dreamcast kind of came as a result of Sega's failure with the Saturn. And 
you know, let's let's go into the Dreamcast. And it kind of it was kind of an in between. That's why I kind of put the Dreamcast out in the zone because it came out like after the Saturn and all that, but it still came out. It still had a year head start on the PS2. So you know, what, actually, nah, nah. Let's let's do this. The Dreamcast, the PS2, the Dreamcast, and the GameCube. So that's the next generation. So. Yeah, we'll talk about Xbox in a little bit. But the Dreamcast was the first kind of bull in the ring for a little bit. So Dreamcast actually brought forward... Dreamcast, you talk about a system that's ahead of its time. Online play, like Dreamcast was really the first system to kind of get online play right as we know it. But where they ultimately failed was... Well, actually, it wasn't even their fault. The technology just wasn't there. Imagine if the Dreamcast came out... Now, with the internet the way it is now, and they still have the same online features, Dreamcast would have killed it. Imagine, like, online Third Strike back then, back in, you know, 2000, 2001. Imagine online Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Imagine online 2K, because that's something else the Dreamcast brought to the table, yeah. Yeah, the Dreamcast got it right, but just, and I'm, I'm going to talk about where where they ultimately failed. And, and the sad part about it is, the Dreamcast failure is not its fault. But all, all my all my 2K guys, like the NBA 2K guys, thank the Sega, thank Sega for that because they brought you the 2K series because they were developed by Visual Concepts under the Sega Sports banner. And then I think uh, starting with 2K6, 2K just had its own company. So that's a quick little history on that. All right, moving forward. Not even moving forward. We're going to stay here. <laughs> but yeah, Dreamcast, Sonic Adventure. A lot, a lot of great games. A lot of kind of rare games, too. There was a game called Cannon Spike, which is kind of like a, a shooter game that featured like Cammy from Street Fighter Series, Mega Man. Oh, Power Stone came out for the Dreamcast. Uh, the Rival School sequel came out for it. So, again, for some reason, Sega really was nailing it with the fighting games with the Saturn and the Dreamcast. Yeah, if you if you were a fighting game fan, those were your systems for sure. But then something else happened in 2000. The freaking PS2 came out. And the PS2 did everything that the that the Sega Dreamcast did, but it did it better. And the Dreamcast is already kind of starting to taper off a little bit, but the PS2 was ultimately the finishing blow. But something else I want to mention too. I want I want to step back just a second. So a lot of times, something else I want to mention too in terms of you know strictly console wars was while the Super NES and Sega Genesis games were totally different, you start to see with like the PlayStation, Saturn, N sixty four, they tried to keep the games the same in terms like you didn't have completely different experiences. You may have had some different graphical experiences between the three, like the graphics may look slightly different just based on the power of the systems. But make no mistake, they were the same game. And this really started to become pronounced once, you know, PS2 killed the Dreamcast. And then you were just left with the Xbox and the, the Nintendo GameCube. So the Xbox, the original Xbox, the, o, sorry, the, the OG Xbox, which a lot of people used to call the Xbox One until Microsoft made the Xbox One. Yeah, the PS2. The PS2 arguably is the goat, but we'll we'll cover that in a, we'll cover that in a little bit, because at the end I do want to look at like the sales figures for all the different consoles. But yeah, PS2 very well might be the goat console of all time. It's it's my first. I ain't gonna lie, it's my personal favorite of all time. 
Super Nintendo's probably right behind it. And uh, you know, I you know what? I'm gonna say that for another stream. Ranking the consoles, like my personal rank and everything like that. But we're just, we're just talking about like the competition between the systems today. So PS2, PS2. Again, a lot of bangers, a lot of great games there. But it was actually, I don't know if y'all knew this or not, but PS2 was actually the weaker of those three consoles between the PlayStation 2, the GameCube, and the Xbox. But that's right, I was talking about how the Xbox came to be. So, ironically enough, the Xbox had a similar strategy to the PlayStation coming out. Big company, Microsoft, wanted to try their hand at making a console. Matter of fact, I remember very vividly, like at first I thought the Xbox was going to be kind of like a throwaway console, but there are a couple of reasons for that. I'm, I'll get into that. So, I'm, I'm getting way too ahead of myself. Anyway, Xbox, Xbox, Xbox. So, very similar strategy. You know, big, big company. This time it's Microsoft, an American company. So, matter of fact, I think Microsoft Xbox, after Atari, this is probably like the first big time, like, video game console that was made in America. Like I said, Pat, you know, after the Atari, because Sony, Sony PlayStation, Sega's consoles, Nintendo's consoles all came out in Japan. They were brought over. Even like the, uh, the NEC PC engine, which I didn't touch on as well. That's another pretty important piece in the 16-bit race. But I might have to shoot. I might have to do a video just on the just on the NEC PC engine. But anyway, Xbox came out and X. So I'm, I'm gonna tell you about the. I should probably should have had this well a little bit better organized, but. Screw it. It is what it is. <laughs> but the PlayStation's big thing was they had more games. They had more games than anybody riding high off the reputation of the PS1. And they did it again with the PS2. Uh, so a lot of those same companies that were willing to work with PlayStation and support them, they were going to support them again. Um, Xbox's big thing was power. More power. And you start to, even though the games were the same, you start to see visual differences between the titles. So, for example, games that were maybe 30 frames a second on PS2, they were 60 frames a second on Xbox. Why do I know this? Give you a personal story. So, back in college, I had, I had a PS2 and I had an Xbox. Never owned a GameCube. But PS2, I have one or whatever, and the PS2 crapped out on me. Mostly because, it, I think what it was, it wasn't reading my disc anymore. I read a tutorial online. This was this is before YouTube, so I couldn't go to YouTube and look this up. But I looked online at like different articles on how to fix the PS2. And ultimately, it was a big... And uh, I ultimately had to put my PS2 to the side. And, ooh, did not mean to do that. Crap. <laughs> they lost, lost my thing there. But while we're doing that, tell you a little bit more about this story. No, I meant to get right there. It's cool, it's cool. That's not what I want, because I'm done talking about that section. But I'll just bring it back up, though. So, anyway, PS2 was broken, and it was like kaput. I, there was no bringing it back. So, I was in the market for a new system. Wasn't wasn't really sold on GameCube because of Nintendo's failures with the N64. There were some games there I liked, but I really was curious about the Xbox. Namely for a couple of games. Namely for like Halo looked pretty cool. And some of the sport some of the same games that I already had on PS2 were available on Xbox because once again this is where you start to see like literally identical games coming out for both systems. So yeah, so I got an Xbox, and one of the first games I remember was 
Burnout 3 Takedown. There were sections that were 30 frames a second on PS2, but then they were 60 frames a second on um, on Xbox. And Xbox had something really cool that the PlayStation was kind of late to the party on, but Xbox did a lot better. And some of y'all know what I'm about to say. Remember the hard drive on Xbox. The Xbox came standard with a hard drive and four-player compatibility, much like the GameCube and the N64. It had four controller ports ready to go. PS2 only had two. You had to get the multi-tap, and you had to get an online adapter for PS2. So in terms of online capability, the, the, Dreamcast, the Dreamcast started it. The Xbox really kind of brought it home. As far as like Xbox Live became a thing, and so Sony had their own service. I mean, for for what it was, it like it was cool, I guess. But you had to buy you had to buy like a hard drive separately and all that. And speaking of like the sports games, like because I, I had a PS2 and I was really into it, and my one of my homeboys had an Xbox. And he used to we used to kind of like joke around all the time because I remember specifically an NFL 2K. NFL 2K5. I remember this vividly. This is, again, under the Sega Sports model. But this, after this, Sega actually went to de- just developing games for other systems. They became a third party. So I, I didn't mention that. That's ultimately what happened to Sega after the Dreamcast, If you, in case you didn't know. So, going back into it. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, played NFL 2K5. And one of the big things was the halftime show. So when you did the halftime show on the PS2, you just had still you had stills of the game. So basically, you just like see the players like jumping up, like or you know running for a touchdown, like. But and now that, that was the halftime show. Like you know, Chris Berman would still talk about all that, all that all that kind of stuff. But on the Xbox version, ho 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 ho, the Xbox version, you actually saw replays of the plays you ran. It felt like a real halftime show. And that, that like blew my mind. I'm like, okay, Xbox is real. X, Xbox is not messing around. And also, you're starting to see. I think Sega Sega kind of saw itself in the Xbox a little bit because they brought a few exclusives to the Xbox as well, like a Jet Jet Set Radio Future. They brought exclusively to the Xbox. Crazy Taxi Three exclusively for the Xbox. Parents of Dragon Orta exclusively exclusively for the Xbox. And the better versions of the sports game. So, like I said, I think Sega's kind of was trying to make up for their failures with the Dreamcast with the Xbox. And then finally, you had the Nintendo GameCube, which Nintendo GameCube's main strength, it was more powerful than the PS2. And you had Nintendo exclusives. Mario Sunshine, Mario Kart, Smash Melee, all that stuff. Metroid Prime. So, there, there were some bangers on the GameCube. Like, don't don't get me wrong. There, there was definitely a lot to like. Pikmin came out for that system. Pikmin got started on the GameCube. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Uh, Sonic Heroes got a... Well, actually, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 got re-released for the GameCube. And then Sonic Heroes had temporary exclusivity on the GameCube. I think for maybe the first couple of months it came out, that's where you saw... Um, you saw Sonic Heroes, and it came out later for PS2 and Xbox. That that's a matter of fact. Sonic Heroes, another good example of like the power between the systems. I never played the GameCube version per se, but I do remember I played Sonic Heroes on PS2, and the frame rate was atrocious. It, it looked horrible. Cause then I played the Xbox version, running at a silky smooth 60 frames a second. I think 
that era was kind of like my my introduction and the differences between frame rates and why I'm such a stickler for them now. Like games with bad frame rates, kind of like they they give me the ick. I mean, now something now if you're doing a more cinematic experience and the gameplay itself is smooth, I can accept it. Or if you're Pokemon, I can accept it too to some extent. But there there are just some games like a Sonic game should never be 30 frames a second, man. Like ugh, that was just. No, just hell no. But anyway, that's kind of like, that's pretty much that on that. So, after after this era, things started to get a little more, things really started to get crazy. Well, not even crazy, but, so then, you know what, it was crazy. Because this is where Nintendo kind of leaned into marching into the beat of their own drum. Because you had the PS3, I only like one game that sucked at six. 30 frames all the others toss them exactly will but the next year you had the ps3 you had the xbox 360 and you had the nintendo wii i ain't gonna lie as much as i like playstation the xbox nailed it with the 360 like in terms of that generation x xbox wanted hands down that that's the short answer to that generation but they, you know they made xbox live better they introduced the Xbox Live Arcade, which is now called like the Xbox Marketplace, where you could like download like smaller games and things like things like that. I ain't gonna lie. So Xbox is responsible for bringing. You know what? Let, let's go. Let's go real deep on this one because this is another reason why the 360 is one is one of my favorite consoles. It might be top three. It might be PS2, Super Nintendo, Xbox 360. So the 360 is largely responsible for bringing fighting games back into prominence. So I don't know if y'all remember, for 2D fighting games at least, back in the 2000s, it was pretty much the dark age. So like there were no 2D fighting games coming out, mostly because Capcom fumbled the bag on Capcom Fighting Evolution. Again, that might be another video entirely. But what wound up uh, happening was, I don't know what what I don't know what made them do this, but they released. Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting on Xbox Live Arcade, complete with online play. And that shit worked phenomenally. I don't know if it was nostalgia. I don't know if they just really just had a, a good online experience. Or, you know what? The captain thinks it was both. Because it, it worked really well. Like, I will remember spending hours playing people online uh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo. And it was it was amazing. So amazing that Capcom decided to give Street Fighter another shot. So that's when a couple things happened. Well, you know what? That, that's, that's another video. We're talking about console wars. But in a, in a nutshell, 360 was responsible for Street Fighter coming back. And coming back big. So 360, let's talk about the PS3. So the PS3's main thing was they were expensive as hell. But I will give PS3 credit on this. I think they were the more popular, I'm sorry, the more powerful console back then. They won the power game, but the PS3 was the first, was actually the cheapest Blu-ray player at that time. Because back in 2006, 2007, Blu-ray players were just coming out, and they were like dumb expensive. And somehow or another, the PS3 was the cheapest Blu-ray player you could buy. So people were buying PS3s, if nothing else, just to be a Blu-ray player. You know, they kept the control the same and all that kind of stuff. And that's something else I never talked about. The controllers. But, anyway, that... Shoot, that might... You know what? I might, have to, I might have to do a part two on this. Just talking about the different controllers and that sort. 
yeah, I'll do a, I'll do a part two on that, talking about different controllers. But anyway, um, bum, 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 bum. we were talking about the uh, PS3. So I really don't remember much about the PS3, to be honest. I mean, I will say that. So it was the only, so it was the cheapest Blu-ray player, and a lot of the um, because it still had the reputation for the PS2. A lot of like the more anime-centric games came out on. Um, Came out on PS3, like your Disgaea's, like some of your RPGs and stuff like that. The Xbox 360 is also where you start to see like your Final Fantasies and stuff come over there. They wanted to give Microsoft a chance, but PlayStation is a lot of where your RPGs, like kind of like your niche RPGs, reside. Like the company NIS, uh, Nipponichi Software, they really had a lot of fun with the really the PS2 starting them off, but they they kind of started to get their their prominence with PS3, in my opinion. And they kept the same controller and all that. And then finally, we got we get to the system that technically won that console war, the Nintendo Wii. And even though the Nintendo Wii, you know, it kind of gets a side eye from, you know, real hardcore gamers. The Nintendo Wii tapped into the casual market. Yeah, the PlayStation 3 was, was like the big hype around the Wii. Yeah. Like I said, the Wii was something different. Like, at first we were like, we're waving this stick around. But the Wii got something right. The Wii made games fun again, more or less. It made, not, you know what? Let me back up. It's not so much they made games fun again. They made games fun for everybody. Like, everybody could play the Wii. Literally, everybody and their mama had a Wii because it was so simple to use. You didn't have to worry about memorizing combos and that kind of stuff. You just, you wagged the controller around. You waved the Joy-Con around. You know, using my Switch controller as a reference, you, just, you did this. Like, Wii Bowling, like, that, that's arguably one of the greatest games of all time, Wii, Wii Bowling, just because of how simple it was. And, yeah, exactly. Like, Baseball tells her mom, she's like, you could, you could play it with your kids and be competitive. You know, like, shoot, my, my mom and dad were, like, competitive in Wii Bowling. Where they could, where they wouldn't be competitive with me in other games, like they they're not beating me in Street Fighter. <laughs> that's just that's how that was. But we bowling, we have a shot. Like I actually have to I have to lock in when I play them, or even like the Mario Karts and stuff like that. Uh, the Wii brought a lot of different. The Wii kind of started the whole motion control thing, because sure enough, the PlayStation Three and the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty tried it, and um, yeah, with mixed results. So some of y'all. I don't know if y'all remember the Connect, like K-I-N-E-C-T, for the Xbox 360. And you know what? I can't remember if I ever showed y'all this video before, but <laughs> oh Lordy, 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 y'all, y'all about to be in for a treat. Let's see. Yeah, we about to roll the bean footage as soon as I get to my actual YouTube channel, because <laughs> uh, I need to go to the Blackbeard Slim channel on YouTube. Here we go, here we go. So, I'm going to show y'all what people looked like playing the Kinect. Now, when it first came out, it's really good for dance games and stuff like that. And kind of some more unique experiences. The Gladiator games. Okay, I don't know what that is, Bates. On the Wii, yeah. For, oh, for like the, the, the Wii Sports Resort. Where you're like running through with the little sword and everything. That's kind of dope. Alright, I got to find my, my actual page. No. Okay, cool. It is what it is. Welcome, Blackbeard Slim. I just I want my other channel. What the hell? All right, manage your Google account. Let's actually. My bad, y'all. <laughs> Again, we we do a live, man. We we do a live, and we might just leave this in too. 
We very well might leave this in. Damn it, man. Shoot. Let's see. Welcome, Sean. Whoop, now you know my last name. <laughs> I'm Docs now. Alright, cool. So now. You know what? Let's do this. Oh no, I got a thing for connecting. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look up my channel. I don't know why my joint doesn't default to my, um, why it doesn't default to my channel on, on my computer. I'm going to have to fix that. There we go. All right, so Blackbeard, and hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Boop. I'm going to subscribe to myself. <laughs> anyway, go to videos. I got to dig back in the archive for this one. Because I want to show y'all how goofy people was looking playing on the Kinect. Because, uh, so while I'm looking this up, how I was able to do this video, and, I, and I've told this story on stream before, so y'all going to hear it, but y'all going to hear it again, though. So, back in 2010, back when Xbox and PlayStation were trying to push to compete with the Wii with motion control, uh, your captain was looking for a job. And I stumbled across a position that was... You know, they say you're working with Xbox. So I was like, cool, you know, and I wound up getting the job and it was to demo the the connect for Xbox 360 in stores. So there were a couple of things here. So let's look at Dance Central, which is Dance Central is still one of the better games on this thing. Yeah, Sean Kirsten subscribe to YouTube. Nice. So this is actually one of the better games on xbox but people look funny playing it even though they can do like a side by side that's me dancing the poison by uh new by bell biv devoe yeah this, this, is, this is how we was looking playing the connect <laughs> yeah just absolute yeah look at look at me my little khaki pants man like back when i didn't know any and y'all y'all think i'm skinny now that's how I was real skinny back then. Yeah, bless it. Indeed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. That's enough of that. So, let's look at another example of what Connect was. Because, Jesus Louise. Freaking Connect. I know y'all going to clip that. Too. Go ahead and clip it. I don't even care. <laughs> right. Let's see, Connect Soccer. Let's see. Yes, right, Connect Soccer, which got a lot of views. All right, this is Sean with another Connect demo. So I was, uh, yeah. Connect Soccer. Yeah. Like, yeah, kids about to kick the TV. <laughs> just, just absolute craziness, man. But you know, it it was fun for what it was. It's just, I can see look in retrospect. Even though, like, I was basically paid to, to shill for Microsoft back then, I can see very clearly why that system did not work out. Because even, like, the, play, the PlayStation 3 Move, I think, was a better uh, solution. Like, even their sports game was better. The sports champion joint, they had, like, bocce ball and archery. Like, that was lit. That was lit. And then they used that technology, as you know now, with PlayStation VR. So, ultimately, in terms of, like, motion controls, let's just be honest, the PlayStation won that. Like in terms of moves like Jagger, <laughs> nice, but uh, yeah, you see, got to see your captain's dance moves a little bit, and that that's how that goes. So, 
But yeah, other other than the Connect misstep, I still think Xbox 360. That's that's one of my personal favorites, and I think they won that console generation. But as we move on to the next generation, Microsoft got a little cocky, <laughs> and they want they really wanted to try some new stuff with the Xbox One, the Xbox One, the PS4, and the Nintendo Wii U. And this was this was a very easy win for PlayStation. And again, this is a little more recent, so some of y'all kind of some of y'all pretty much know the story on this, where Xbox One there were there were just a lot of blunders there. So let's let's see if we can find an article to back up our stuff here versus PS4 versus Wii U. But yeah, the, the Nintendo Wii ultimately sold the most and all that just because they made it easier to play. Let's see if I can find some articles. These are all videos. Basically talking about the same thing. Okay, comparison chart. That's going to help us out a little bit. But the one of the main things I, I remember about like PS4 versus Xbox One in particular was the, the lead up to it. Because X, you know, Xbox finally came into its own with the 360. PS3, you know, it, it was good enough. The, the PlayStation diehards loved it, but PlayStation knew they needed to make a splash with their new system, and boy, make a splash that they did. So let's see. But provides an easy visual aid. Okay, let's go. Okay, let's just jump to the comparison chart. Boom. All right, so. The Xbox One came out cheaper? Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, Xbox One played DVDs as well. So, another fun fact. I never personally wanted Xbox One. For, you're, and you're about to see why here in a little bit. So, game DVR. So, oh, that's right. You you did have DVR with stuff like that. Alright, let me, let me try to get to the story. So, E3, the year before both systems come out. So, both systems are making their push. To um, you know, be the big dog, and there, there are videos who can explain this a little bit better than I, but this is just my personal viewpoint of it. So Xbox One is talking all this stuff about they were really trying to push like the digital consoles. They're really trying to push like the digital only kind of side of gaming, where they had it so you could. One of the big things that Microsoft Xbox One messed up on was they were trying to say that. You couldn't, they were really against used games. So, for example, if you got a game from like GameStop or something like that, or you played a game a friend had, you had to like sign in the Xbox. They made it really complicated to just play games. That's that's what Xbox One ultimately messed up on. They tried to kind of backpedal a little bit. They ultimately tried to backpedal a little bit to, to try to get rid of some of that stuff, but the PS4 had already made its mark. So, and PS4. Ultimately, had the pettiest commercial ever. I'm about. I gotta show y'all this. PlayStation Four share games. Like, yo, you thought the Genesis had some petty commercials? I'm about, I'm about to show y'all something right here. Okay, so the official PlayStation used game instructional video. This is from PlayStation. So some of y'all, again, some of y'all remember this vividly. Watch this. This is how you share your games. This is how you share your games on PS4. Step one. <laughs> and notice this came out right after E3. Thanks. <laughs> that simple. <laughs> yeah, like that. That was just crazy. Fair use, by the way. But oh my goodness, <laughs> that was like the like. 
if your mind wasn't made up in 2013, your mind was made up again. Okay, I'm getting a PS4. And then, so we talked about Xbox's blunder. Let's talk about the Wii U's blunder. Because the Wii U could have been a great system. But the main thing with the Wii U was, and me and some, me and some friends of mine, we talk about it all the time, is that Nintendo didn't explain what the Wii U was. So y'all remember the Wii. You know, you got the you got the, the Joy-Cons. Not the Joy-Cons, but the, the Wii Mote and everything. Grandma's having a good time bowling. You know, Mario Brothers Wii did really well. All this kind of stuff. Hi, son. My name is Petty. I said it was like commercial nice. But, yeah, so Nintendo was riding pretty high. So Nintendo decides to create an upgrade to the Wii called the Wii U. With better, and they promised, like, Finally, Nintendo was going to the HD era. So we got HD, we got better graphics. With the, with the Wii's motion controls, what could go wrong? <laughs> so the Wii came out with this little thing called, let me see, let's look at it. Give y'all some visual aids here. Uh, control. And it's kind of weird because the thing that ultimately messed up the Wii U is the thing that made the Switch what it is. I forget what they call it. Control pad? Control. Uh. See, I don't even remember what the thing was because it's so forgettable. <laughs> the gamepad control. Let's see. Yeah, the Nintendo Wii U gamepad. Whatever. Um, see, the gamepad controller. Yeah, so this is what it was. So let's look at this Amazon listing. The Wii U gamepad controller. Da, 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 da. So this is what the Wii U was pushing, this gamepad. So you had the Wiimote, and then you had this pad, that, this game pad that comes with it. And like I said, the thing was, they really didn't explain what that did. Now, there was a game that came out that made very good use of it, and I argue that should have been the game it came out with. That game being Mario Maker 1. Because it, like, used, it had like a touchpad and everything. It was a good idea, but ultimately, because Nintendo didn't explain whether or not Okay, is this a new system? Is this just an upgrade to the Wii I have now? So it confused a lot of customers. And one thing you cannot do when you're trying to sell things is is confuse the masses. Because, you know, the masses are the masses. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do that. But, <laughs> yeah, so, anyway. So because Nintendo failed to explain what that was, it fell dead in the water. But... I don't know if Nintendo kind of did this on purpose, but it ultimately they ultimately fixed that with the Switch, which I'm going to talk about here in this this next generation. So remember how I said the Dreamcast was kind of like a go-between because of the failure of the Sega Saturn? The Nintendo Switch was kind of a go-between between the um, PS4 and PS5 and the 360. I'm sorry, in the Xbox One and the Xbox Series system. Why? Because Nintendo Nintendo needed a win. Because, good lord, the Nintendo Wii U was a failure. And what's sad is the Wii U actually had some really good games that ultimately got ported over to the Switch. Like, Bayonetta 2 came out for the Wii U. Um, let's see, Mario Kart 8, which is the arguably one of the best-selling Nintendo games of all time. That was on the Wii U first. Uh, like I said, the aforementioned Mario Maker. Tekken came out on the same. Tekken Tag Tournament 2 came out on the Wii U, and it was great. But, like I said, the Wii U just didn't sell what it needed to sell. It was a blubber up, yeah, a blubber up that they had to fix. So then, you know, fast forward to 2016. 
you know, they had, because Nintendo Directs were a thing back then too. So a new Nintendo Direct, there was like, we're about to announce a new system or a new way to play or something like that. So I sit down and, you know, I watch, I watch the Nintendo Switch the Nintendo Switch presentation, and I'm blown away because I think what happened was Nintendo wanted to try to take their success with handheld consoles and and make it work for make it work for consoles, a hybrid console, if you will, which they ultimately failed with the Wii U, but they succeeded with the Switch because I think that's what they were trying to tell us with the Wii U, but the Switch they they again they explained it better. They explained what the Switch was. Number one, naming it something different. That was that's what that's the first thing. So okay, we know this is a brand new system. Cool. So and then they remember what made the Wii great as well. They had they had kind of like the motion controls, which but what I like about the Switch as well is that they didn't make motion controls the star of the show. It was more of like a background thing. It's like, hey, some games use this as well. It's kind of like cool, but the Switch was more of a gamer's kind of system. Like they, they kind of got back to basics with the with the switch, and ultimately they they freaking succeeded, man. Like the switch is selling like hotcakes right now. Well, it, it sure was for a minute. It's kind of slowed down now because the PS5 and Xbox Series systems are a thing. Which now leads me to this current generation's of the system, the PS5 and the Xbox Series systems, and. This is where, again, games are damn near identical. So what I'm starting to see with the console wars over the years, you think more about like features and power between the console. Was the thing, Switch was the thing people poaching. Oh yeah, that thing too. But yeah, now you talk about features and benefits. I think that kind of illustrates this current generation of console. So the PS5, if you want like the newest, most technologically superior games, you know, with like the a controller that state of the art, go with PS5. If you want for Xbox, if you want like if you really are a fan of Microsoft Xbox as a uh, as a concept or just like as a franchise, if you wanna if you want the ultimate backwards compatibility experience and the best value, because something else Xbox did really well as well. They in they they made online gaming mainstream, but also they introduced Game Pass, which is like the way to rent games now. You know, you pay something like $15, a month, and you have just a whole library of games that you can choose from until they, you know, until they take them off of Game Pass. But now that replaces going to Blockbuster and all that stuff. And honestly, you could get an Xbox Series X or a computer and all that kind of stuff, and you never have to buy an Xbox game if you don't want to and still get a good experience. Matter of fact, I remember with Xbox, one of their big things is now... I don't think Microsoft really cares if you buy an Xbox Series X, but they want you to have Xbox, whether it's on your phone, whether it's on your computer. You know, they just they want you to have Game Pass more than they want you to have a system. So yeah, three nine dollars a month on limited access. Yep, that kind of stuff. Thank you, Bates. But uh, yeah, and then of course the Switch. If you want, if you want to take games on the go, and if you want to play indie games, because indie games do really well on the Switch for some reason. Again, a little bit easier to develop, the whole portable aspect of it. So each system has something to like. But so I guess that brings us to the ultimate question of this particular portion of the podcast. And we've been rolling for a while. Good grief. Captain going to have some editing to do. But it'll, it'll be all in good fun. I'll probably keep most of this anyway. But the ultimate thing, are the console wars even necessary? You know what I'm saying? Uh, is it... 
is it advantageous to get one system over the other? Like, is it, or should you just get them all? I personally think get what you can afford, get what you want. If you can't afford them all, I, I say definitely do so because the systems are different enough where the games are largely the same, but you get different experiences. And another thing I want to point out with this, this generation too, we're kind of getting back to exclusives because remember, Microsoft bought up a lot of studios, some big names too, like your Activisions and all that kind of stuff. So, and then PlayStation's buying up. So that's something else I'm starting to see with this console's generation too. You know, Microsoft and PlayStation starting to buy up different studios to really cement themselves as exclusives because that's another thing that PS5 has too. If you want exclusive Sony games, if you want to play Spider-Man, if you want to play God of War, you got to get a PlayStation. And a lot of people use their Xbox Series systems or Xbox One to play like third-party stuff, like the sports games, like the shooter games that come out in every system. And of course, Switch, you know, you you know, if you want your cheaper system, something you can give your kids, or if you just like Nintendo games, if you want to, if you want to play Bayonetta, if you want to play Mario Kart, if you want to play Pokemon, you gotta get a Nintendo Switch. And that's the one thing where apparently Xbox, you know, with all the studios they bought, they're gonna they're supposed to be coming strong in 2023. I see better than I hear, man. So, like I said, everybody has something to like. Ultimate man, play what you want. And I think that's pretty much going to do it for this episode. We've been we've been talking quite a bit. And I'm going to grab me a swig of water right quick because I need it. And my original plan was to do like an hour of the podcast and then go into maybe some third strike. But honestly, man, I ain't got time for that. I got to get to bed. But we'll do some third strike tomorrow. I appreciate everybody that's coming in. I pretty much read the chats along the way. Let's see if I miss anything. Uh, they, yeah, because this is definitely going to have to be a series. Don't forget about the combo breaker gaming. Again, so honestly, this podcast is giving me um, ideas for future episodes. We got to talk about the, the dark age of the fighting games. We got to talk about gaming PCs. We got to talk about the handheld console wars. We got to talk about the different controllers. Like, yo, like, yeah. This, this is going to be... We're going to have to put this up in the different episodes. But, okay, they can never make the success of the Game Boy, but that's what they want. And they pretty much nailed it with the Switch base. So, yeah. I definitely got that. Um, Switch was thinking people poaching on eBay or pawn shops. Alright, so that's pretty much it for the chats. I'm going to go ahead and sign off for now. I appreciate everyone stopping in. Um, I'm going to do some editing. I should have the episode on YouTube definitely by the end of the week. That's what I'm searching for between Thanksgiving and work and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to be a little busy. But until the next episode, you know, you are dismissed. Have a good night, y'all.